0: You are listening to The North Podcast, a ministry of Mount Perrin North in Marietta, Georgia.
1: Hey, good morning, everybody. How are you today? It's good to see you. Since you were not as responsive as you needed to be to Pastor Brett, I want you to turn to someone and say, you look really good this morning. All right, do that now. If you didn't know that person and I just introduced you to them, you're welcome. So listen, we started a series last week called Why God, looking at some tough questions that we ask of God. Today we're going to talk about why aren't my prayers being answered? Um, if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. We're going to look at verses 7 through 11. This is Jesus speaking. It is the, the famous passage where it's the Sermon on the Mount. He's already given the Beatitudes of the Lord's Prayer. And he's sort of giving some explanations and some teachings at the end of it. And so in verse 7, starting in verse 7 of Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says, Keep on asking, and you'll receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. You parents... If your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? Let's pray as we start. Father, today, we need you. I'm very cognizant, very aware. These folks don't need to hear from me. They need to hear from you. So simply make me a mouthpiece and a conduit of your truth and your grace. Speak to our hearts, speak to our circumstances, and mostly, oh Lord, may our faith be built in you to trust you completely. Anoint the words you've given me to say as they go forth, anoint our ears to hear them and our hearts to receive them so that you may accomplish your perfect will. And Lord, we'll be careful to give you the praise for it in Christ's name, amen and amen in the sort of early mid 1990s there was a singer that came along that was a country star that kind of crossed he kind of crossed over into pop music as well but his, he didn't really do pop music he just drew that crowd to him his name was Garth Brooks and there was a song that just resonated all throughout America and far even into the world and the song was called Unanswered Prayers the whole song premise was that He has gone to his old high school to a football game, sees an old girlfriend, remembers all these things about it, remembers that she's the one he wanted. He prayed every night for her to be his wife, and then he realizes that didn't work out. He's there with his wife that he's fallen in love with, and the whole song is, thank you, God, for unanswered prayers, because if you'd answered that prayer, I'd have missed out on this. Resonated with everybody. People caught on to that, and they're like, yeah, yeah, but the... Problem is, we see that in that song in somebody else's life, but it's so difficult for us to see that in our own life, to look around and go, God isn't answering my prayers, thank God, right? Because we want what we want when we want it. And we think we know what we want and we think we know what we need. And one of the questions that comes out of our 21 days of prayer and fasting our revival nights, where the theme was about mountains will move. There's an obstacle in your way. Is Some of you, your prayers haven't been answered yet. Some of you, the mountains haven't been moved yet, and you're wondering, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with my relationship with God? We find ourselves asking why. Why do some prayers seem to be answered and others not? Why does that person get their prayer answered and I don't get my prayer answered? Why am I struggling while other people seem to be flourishing? So before you go anywhere else, you need to hear this truth. Every prayer is answered by God. The problem is sometimes we don't like the answers. And so we try to blame God about being indifferent or not paying attention to us, or uncaring. When, in fact, God does answer the prayers that we pray. Just sometimes, it's not in the way we want. I'm going to give you four ways God answers prayers. I'm going to get the first one out of the way right away, because it's the one you're going to hate, okay? Because God sometimes answers prayers, and he just simply says no. And when God says no, that means the request is wrong. When God says no, it means I request that we're making him. The thing that I'm asking of him is wrong at that moment. Jesus in Matthew chapter 6 and a little earlier in the Sermon on the Mount, verses 9 and 10, he says, here's what I want you to pray. He says, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There are sometimes you pray and you pray for the wrong thing and God loves you and cares about you too much to give you the thing that you prayed for that was wrong. Let me give you some examples in scripture. Matthew chapter 17. This is a glorious moment. Jesus takes three of his disciples up on a mountain and Jesus is transfigured, literally glorified. He literally takes on his glory in that moment and they get to see him in his glorified form. Moses and Elijah come down from heaven and they're talking with Jesus. Simon Peter, James, John, they get the privilege of being there in that moment. They experience this moment. Simon Peter says a prayer, says a request to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. That is true. There's nothing untruthful about that statement. This is a good thing we're here. He says... Can we build three buildings, three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah, and let's all just stay here? And Jesus says, no. Why? Because he has to come down off that mountain and ascend up another mountain called Calvary. He has to pay a price for our sins and take on our sin pay that price, go to the grave for us, be raised to new life so that we could be raised to new life so that the next time we see him in his glory, we will be in his glory as well. It's not best at that moment. And he says, no, it's not because he's being cruel or indifferent or uncaring or even saying the moment's not special. He's saying, no, that's not what is best in that moment. In Mark chapter 10, James and John after they've come down off of the Mount of Transfiguration, all of them come down, the Bible tells us that there is an argument between the disciples on the road about who's gonna be the greatest in the kingdom of God. You know how this argument started. The three that were on the mountain are talking to the nine that were not on the mountain and they're all talking about who's gonna be the greatest in the kingdom, right? So James and John, one gospel tells us James and John, another one even clarifies even further and makes this story even worse. It says, James and John come to Jesus and they say, Lord, when you come into your kingdom, can one of us sit on the right hand and one of us sit on the left hand in the places of authority and power, the best places can those be reserved for us? Another gospel tells us it's even worse than that. They didn't make the request, they brought their mama and she made the request of Jesus. And Jesus said, no. Because it was about their pride and their ego and not the kingdom of God. In Luke chapter nine, the disciples are traveling with Jesus. He sends some of them ahead to ask people to make preparations in a Samaritan town and they send word back, we don't want you here. And the disciples ask Jesus, they say, Jesus, this is wrong. That's a true statement. But they said, this is so wrong. Would you like for us to call down fire from heaven and destroy those people in that village? And Jesus says, no. (laughs) He's come to save them. Sometimes the request you make is simply wrong. And God will say no when your request is wrong. We don't like it. We don't ever think our request is wrong, do we? It has to be revealed to us by the Lord. But here's what we know. That John chapter 14, just after the passage that Pastor Brett read to us this morning, says, Jesus said, you can ask for anything in my name. And I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. To ask in the name of Jesus is not asking him to co-sign every selfish request that we have not asking him to co-sign every good idea that we have. To ask in the name of Jesus is asking in the authority and the character of Jesus. What we ask reflects who he is. And he says, when you ask in that way, you will absolutely see that happen every single time. That means our faith has to be right, but that also means our motives have to be right. And listen, if we're honest, all of us are capable of making wrong requests to God. I am, you are. It's not the person sitting next to you, it's you too. We all are. There will be times when God says no. And one of the first things you can do is when you've been praying diligently about something, asking God for, to do something and it doesn't seem to be moving, then ask God, am I asking for the right thing, Lord? Lord? Is there a correction that needs to be in way that I'm praying at this moment? Because maybe the request is avoidance on your part. Maybe you're asking for something because you are avoiding the real problem. Lord, deliver me from this. When God actually wants to reveal a real issue in your life, in your family, in your relationship, that he can bring to the surface in order to heal you and make you right. Maybe the request is destructive. It will harm you in ways you cannot even see at that moment. Maybe the request is self-serving. It's not about the kingdom. It's not about others. It's just about you. Maybe the request is short-sighted. You can't see the big picture. You can't see out in the distance, but God can. Maybe the request is too small, and God wants to do more than that for you. And so he's not going to answer that request at that moment because he got a better plan for you. And you don't know those at that time, but we do know that we can submit every request to God just like Jesus did. Do you remember in the garden of Gethsemane in his humanity that he's robed himself with he goes into the garden of Gethsemane and he says, "Lord, if it's possible, Father, let this cup of suffering pass from me." Nevertheless, though, not my will, but yours be done. Here's what I want, but I want what you want even more. And if what you want is different than what I want, I want you to say no. To me, Lord. And when we do that, we know that God hears us when we pray. Here's what first uh, John says. He says, this is the confidence that we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we will have what we asked of him. That when we ask in the right way, asking God's will to be done, subjecting our request to his will, God hears us and he answers us. The fact is, sometimes God says no, but then there are other times God says slow, and when God says slow, that means the timing is wrong. Not the request, but the timing is wrong. That God has a way of lining things up at just the right time. I love... At the first night of revival, I loved what um, Mark Rutland said. He said, God is an on-time God, but sometimes I just wish he'd be a little early occasionally. <laughs> right? We, we want that. But we, 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 know, we know what this feels like. If you're a parent, listen, you know what this feels like. When you get in the car and you're taking a trip, and you tell that child, we're going to Disney World, we're going to the happiest place on earth. And we're going to be there in eight hours. And 15 minutes later, they ask you, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? And we try to make kids comprehend these things that they can't even comprehend. We're like, no, 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 no. It's going to take another seven and a half hours. They don't know what seven and a half hours are. So we point to the clock and we said, when this number gets to this and this, hey, is that number changed yet? When we were traveling, I finally got to the point, I just kind of figured it up in my head. I was like, I don't know. It's going to be 11 more episodes of Barney. Count them up and don't ask me till then. (laughs) You know what that feels like when you have to say, no, not yet. The promise hasn't changed. Still going to Disney World, still going to be the happiest place on earth. This isn't right now, but that's going to be. That promise hasn't changed. It's just not yet. Not yet. Do you understand what it feels like to have your child come to you a few days before Christmas and say, can I please just open one present? And you say, nothing's changing about that present. It's still yours. It's still going to be yours. Nobody's going to take it, but not yet. Or you've got the eight or nine-year-old daughter that says, I'm ready I want to wear all the makeup and pick out all the clothes that I want to wear and make all my decisions, and you say, not yet. (laughs) We get this as parents, but we don't get it as disciples sometimes. Children hate to hear the words, not yet. And we can exhibit that same childish behavior when we ask God, and he is saying Not yet. We don't like the words any more than our children do. We want what we want when we want it. The child in all of us wants God to meet every need, grant every request, move every mountain as soon as we ask. And even though God is fully intending on doing those things for you, it is not the right time. And God is no more intimidated by our childish fixation on instant gratification than we are to our children. He simply chooses from time to time to shake his head at our immaturity and say, go ahead, kick and scream, pitch a fit. The answer's still not yet because it's not best for you. Sometimes God says not yet. But God's delays are not his denials. They're simply him getting things ready for us. As a matter of fact, God wants to do more for us than we want to do for ourselves. We just can't seem to understand it. Isaiah 55 verses 8 and 9 says this. God says, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. My ways are far beyond anything you can imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. There are so many times I have prayed and asked God for something and thought it should happen immediately. And I have to wait. I have to wait on the Lord. Sometimes God says, no. Sometimes He says, slow. And then sometimes God's going to say, grow. And when God says, grow, that means you aren't ready yet. He fully intends to pour the blessing out on you. He fully intends to answer it, but you aren't ready to receive it from a spiritual maturity level. The book of James, James writes, dear brothers and sisters, when, it, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Now, I shared this portion of, with you last week, this passage. And I made a statement. I have to withdraw now. I have to retract my statement because I was wrong. I was proven wrong after the service was over with. I said, nobody takes that passage, count it all joy when you have trials and tribulations of every kind. I'm like, nobody puts that, Nobody there's not not a post-it note on a mirror or a bumper sticker on a car that says, count it all joy when you have trials and tribulations. Somebody came up to me after the service was over with and said, I don't have that, but I do have something else. And I said, what? They pulled their sleeve up and they had James 1-2 tattooed on their arm. I said, I am proven wrong now. That's better than a post-it note, Dan. Never mind. I'm wrong. I'll never say that one again. But James goes on and he says in verse 3, he says, For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. And so let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be perfect and complete, needing nothing. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver For a person with divided loyalty is like an unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. Sometimes the issue is simply that we are not ready. And notice what he says. When you ask God, make sure that your faith is in God alone. Because often when we, see, when we pray about something and it doesn't happen, we begin to do two things. Instead of trusting God and leaning into God, and even the remote possibility that God has to do something in us to prepare us as a vessel to receive what he wants to pour into us, we take the opposite. We try to go ahead of God and force it and make it happen, or we think God doesn't love us anymore, and God's holding out on us, and we have a wrong view of God in that moment. Patience, trust, endurance, character. These are built by time. God can move a mountain in a moment, but he can't build character without time. And God is more concerned about those than he is about our comfort sometimes, our instant gratification, or our personal convenience. God loves you too much To give you something that you're not ready for. I still remember I was pastoring a church in Mississippi and it was in 2005. And um, we were, we had a, um, like a revival service for our denomination and uh, it was close to the city I pastored in. And so I was actually making some hospital calls that day. And my youth pastor who worked for me was asked to run the sound and help with the sound and media for that event. And so he called me and he said, I am nervous he said, can you please come down here? I need somebody to just stand at the podium, use all the microphones and just make sure everything's working properly so it doesn't look bad on me. I said, okay, I'll drive by there. I will drop by there. And as I'm up there, I was pastoring a church. It was about 200 people um, in attendance. And I'm standing in this room and this room was seated, seated about a thousand people. It was gonna be packed that night. And I'm standing up there doing a sound check. And it's, it's, um, it's about four years into pastoring that church and we had grown, but man, it was a struggle. And I'm standing up there doing sound checks, thinking in my head things that I'm not saying out loud. As I'm going testing one, two, three, four, my brain is going, how long, God? Am I going to have to keep doing what I'm doing where I'm doing it? And I just looked at that room and I said, what would it be like to pastor a church like this? And the spirit of the Lord spoke into my heart in that moment. I know it sounds strange. As I'm saying, testing one, two, three, four, I can hear the spirit of the Lord say, I am going to take you to pastor a church of that size. You will. And I thought, there's my answer. I've got my answer. God is about to take the church I'm pastoring and he's about to grow it. As a matter of fact, Two nights later at that same meeting, uh, the person that was ministering that night did not do it in a grandiose way, did not, did not have a microphone announcing to everyone. He saw me, called me over, and he literally whispered in my ear. He said, God is about to bring the people into your life to make the dream happen. And so I thought, there it is. Not only is he about to grow the church, somebody's coming this Sunday People are going to flood in. We're going to have to build a building. We're going to have to do it. Never hit me. Never struck me that three weeks later, I was going to have a guest speaker named Dr. Paul Walker, and that encounter was going to change my life and the direction of my life. That one day, I would do that very thing, preach to a room that size with a church of greater attendance than I thought. But I thought, as soon as I heard it, I'm going home this weekend, and everything's about to change. Because I really felt like I heard the Lord, and it's going to happen soon. How many of you know that God's soon is not your soon? That a day with the Lord is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day, right? When you're waiting, time just seems to inch by. But when God rushes in like a flood, oftentimes it's so quick that you cannot even imagine it. I think God thinks I'm neurotic sometimes. Sometimes. Because I get, come on, God, 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 come on, God. What are you doing? What are you doing? And when he finally does, he shows up so much, I go, whoa, hang on a second. And I think he looks down and goes, Walters, what do you want? We're all like that. You see, what I didn't know at that time was that I wasn't ready to pastor a church that size. I thought I was. I could have convinced you I was. My hubris said I was. But I hadn't been through enough stuff. I hadn't been through enough challenges and pain and problems and adversity at that moment in my life to allow me to pastor people who were going to go through those same things. I got a promise. I thought I was ready, God knew I wasn't. It was going to be 12 years before that happened. 12 years. But God was gracious enough to not allow that to happen until I was ready so it would bless me and not harm me. Sometimes God says no. Sometimes he says slow. And sometimes he says grow. Can I tell you the fourth one? You're going to like this one. Sometimes God says yes. And when God says yes, it means all things are ready then. Because God wants what's best for us. Verse 11 of our passage where Jesus tells us, "Keep, keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? I doubt any of us know how badly God wants to touch that situation in your life, to move that mountain. But he's waiting at just the right time and just the right way to bring you just the right blessing that he knows you need. Archbishop Trench once said, Prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance. It's laying hold of his highest willingness. That God desperately wants to bring you to the place he's called you and pour out the blessings that he has for you. But he has to get that place ready, those circumstances ready, and you ready. For that moment. And for some of you, God is preparing you for what he has already prepared for you. And there's coming a time when it's going to come rushing in and you're going to realize everything that God has been doing this entire time. I heard this week a story that a man told from his childhood about his friend. His friend had a hand-me-down bike And as his friend was, it was always, all of his other friends had nice bikes. His friend always had the hand-me-down bike. and was always trying to dress it up, but it was still a hand-me-down bike. And so one day he was with his friend and his friend's father, and they went into Western Auto. How many, anybody remember Western Auto, right? Yeah, okay. Anybody that doesn't, I realize I'm old. You don't have to tell me, okay? So they go into Western Auto, and as they go in, his friend looks and he sees these handlebar grips they're like really cool. They're, you know, rad. They're the thing. He was like, that's what I need. That's what's going to dress this bike up. This old worn down secondhand bike. That's what's going to dress it up. So he says, dad, can I have these? It was like $3. Can I have these handlebar grips for my, his dad said, no, no, you don't need those handlebar grips. He said, dad, they're only $3. He said, I know. You don't need those. But dad, have you seen my bike? My bike's a hand-me-down. He's like, you don't need those grips. And he kept on and kept on. And finally his dad said, you're not getting the grips. Stop asking me for them. You don't need them. And so his dad started walking towards the back of the store. His friend is furious. Starts talking to him saying, I can't believe my dad. He doesn't care. He doesn't care what it feels like out there. He did it's $3 three bucks. I've been on him. sure he loves me. He's just going on and on and on. He said, when we got to the back of the store, he said, the manager was wheeling out a brand new bicycle. His dad said, son, this is your early birthday present. He said, the reason I didn't want you to have those handlebar grips, you don't need that bike anymore. I got something better for you. He said, the joy that was on that friend's face as he realized that what his dad had planned for him was so much better than he was ever asking. That the joy as he wheeled that out, he said, what I did notice was this. He never once looked over at those handlebar grips again on the way out. Because he realized his dad had something so much better. You don't know all the things God has for you. Some of you do know the promises that he's given to you and it is your responsibility to lay hold of those promises in his word and by his spirit. There was a passage last week that I thought I was going to include in last week's message. And then I thought as I I finished last week's message, I went, I forgot to put that in my notes. But I I actually don't think I did. I think it was for this week. Deuteronomy 29 and 29 says this, the Lord our God has secrets known to no one. There are things about God you don't know at all and you're never gonna know. But it says, we are not accountable for them, but we and our children are accountable forever for all that he has revealed to us. You aren't responsible for all the things that God knows about your life that he wants to do. But that's where you tend to park yourself. What you are responsible are the things that he's revealed to you in his word and by his spirit. And for some of you, you've been praying about something for a long time. And you've seen people seemingly get their prayers answered. You fasted, you prayed, you came to revival nights, and you still seem to be in the same place. I think Jesus was very specific when he was talking to the people on that mountainside that was gonna be passed down to us to remind us, keep on asking, keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. For if you ask, you'll receive. If you seek, you'll find. If you knock, the door will be opened. What he's saying is this. Don't stop asking. Don't stop seeking. Don't stop knocking. Trust God with whatever it is you have. God is not slow as some think he's slow. But God is always, always, always on time. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? The greatest gift and promise God has ever given to any of us, it's not about circumstances or things. It's about his son, Jesus. And some of you, when you came in this room or you started watching online, you know things aren't right between you and the Lord. And the greatest gift you can receive today is not something, not some answer to a prayer you've prayed. It's to receive Jesus himself. His salvation, his lordship, his constant companionship through the Holy Spirit. And if you know when you came in this place, things aren't right between you and the Lord, I just want you to simply pray a prayer something like this. Lord Jesus, I thank you for what you've done for me. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you that you gave your life for my sins. Thank you that what you did was enough. It is sufficient for everything that I need. Forgive me of the way I've lived, I pray, of my sins. And I yield my life to you now, to your Lordship. I'm not in charge anymore, you are. I serve you. Lead me through your word and by your spirit, and I'll never be the same. I'm going to ask everyone in this room, just pray this prayer of profession with me. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. Come on, one more time. Jesus, I give you my life. Now, with your head still bowed, eyes still closed, no one but the ministry team and me looking around, I'm not here to embarrass you or call you out. I want to pray for you this week. But if you know when you came in here this morning, things weren't right between you and the Lord, and you're making a decision to follow Jesus for the first time or the first time in a long time, I want you to just say, That's me, Pastor. Pray for me this week and raise your hand. Keep it up really high, just for a moment, please. God bless you. Keep it up just a moment. Thank you. Thank you. That's the best decision you will ever make. Thank you. Thank you. All right, you can put them down. Father, we thank you right now for lives that have been changed. Hope has been restored. Joy has been renewed. I pray that as the weight of sin is lifted off of their shoulders, there would be such a basking in your glory and your joy that they've never felt before. Feeling so clean inside that they know that the very Spirit of God lives and dwells within them now. Thank you for those changed lives. Thank you in these next few moments. We're going to bring our prayers to you to keep on asking, to keep on seeking, keep on knocking until you answer those prayers and more than anything as we bring those prayers to you we're saying one thing, we trust you, we trust your goodness, we trust your mercy we trust your power, we trust your authority, we trust your wisdom and we trust your grace to bring us through and give us everything that we need in Christ's holy name Amen and amen. I'm gonna ask you to stand with me, please. We're gonna to continue to worship. I'm gonna invite our prayer team to come down front. And here's what I know. Many of you need someone to agree with you in prayer. And if that's you, you want, you've want you got a relational need or a financial need or physical need or emotional, have someone pray with you. Some of you might even be reluctant. I just need you to understand something. Whether you come down here whether you lift your hands in worship right now, the ultimate thing you do is surrender that need to the Lord. So I'm gonna invite you to worship, lift your hands, give it to him and come down. If you have a need, allow someone to pray with you right now. Let's trust God for those things in your life right now.
0: The perfect sublime. trust you, Father. I sought the Lord, and he heard, and he answered. I sought to the Father, tell him that you trust him. Speak of your testimony when he's answered your prayer, when he's answered the prayers of your family,
1: I don't know who or how many of you this is for, but as I stood over here worshiping, I felt the Spirit of the Lord encourage me to speak to some of you. You have been praying and you have been struggling and you have been waiting and you are on the cusp of giving up and you think something's wrong with you or something's wrong with God. And the Lord wants you to know That he may be preparing you, he may be purifying you, he may be refining you, but he is not done with you. that the promise that he's made to you will never fail. And don't you dare give up on the cusp of victory. Don't you dare give up when you're standing on the edge of deliverance. Don't you dare give up when God is going before you and preparing the way, waiting for that moment when he rushes in like a flood. Father, we thank you right now. Thank your word is true. That the word that we read and we teach and we preach from, and we get life from is not just some relic written in antiquity. It is alive and it is vibrant and it is life-giving. And the promises that were made long ago, spoken into our hearts, are still real and still relevant. Help us to grab hold of the living Word of God And as long as Christ is alive, every promise God has made is alive as well. And God, we thank you right now. We praise you right now. We praise you by faith, not by our feelings. We praise you by the promises, not by the things that we see in the moment that seem to be standing in the way. We praise you by faith. We give you honor and glory for the things that are going to happen because you said they're going to happen. And in spite of our feelings, we will not couch back. We will not, we will not cower away. We will lean into the power and the presence and the promises of God, fully assured that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can think or imagine. And we give you praise right now in Jesus' name for that. Amen and amen. I sought the Lord. is so good to us. And I am so grateful, not only for what he has done, what he is going to do in our lives. And I hope you are too. Listen, why don't you celebrate with me today? Four people gave their hearts to Jesus Christ in this place. Amen. How grateful and thankful we are. Allow me the privilege before you go to bless you today. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His space to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace in Jesus' name. Let's give our response from Psalm 19. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. God bless you folks, love you. Have a great day.
0: Thanks for listening to today's message. If you would like to learn more about North, be sure to check out our website at mountparenorth.com. If you have any questions, you can email us at info at or give us a call at 770-578-9081. And if you're in the Marietta, Georgia area, we'd love to have you join us for worship next Sunday at 945 or 1115 a.m. Again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.